0: I'd like to welcome you to episode number 203, and today is, I know I say this a lot, but it is a special episode. It's even extra special because it's the second interview I'm having with my cousin, Jody Carver, who is one of the premier steel guitar players in the country. He doesn't play anymore. Uh, Jody is... Goodness gracious, what is he, 87 years old now? And uh, he's still on the ball, as you're going to hear. And I think we'll start it off with a tune from... An album that's actually kind of rare. If you, if, you, if you have a vinyl copy of this album, you uh, have a pretty rare album. It's the Hot Club of America in Hi-Fi. This is Jody Carver and Johnny Cucci. For all you goombas out there with the Sicilian tarantella. My name's Audie Mortello, and welcome to Mostly Folk. So once again, I am going to be sitting with someone who happens to be in the steel guitar hall of fame and that's Jody Carver and Jody just happens to be my cousin and Jody stopped up here today in the Mostly Folk Studios and we thought we'd revisit some of maybe some of the things we talked about before and maybe uh, some new stuff that you haven't heard and for those of you that never heard Jody before, Um, you're in for a treat, because he has so many great stories, and if you love Fender guitars, and want to know a little bit of history about Fender guitars, Jody is the guy to talk to. Uh, Good morning, Jody. How are you?
1: my offer. How are you
0: doing? I'm doing very well and I'm so glad you could come by today and uh, share a little bit of your memories. And when I when I say memories uh, certainly we both know that there are so many great memories that both of us have had in the past uh, having worked for Fender and Fender Guitars and I myself worked at the Fender Service Center which <laughs> you I guess, were you the manager of the Service yeah,
1: Center? I was, I was appointed the manager, and uh, we, used, we used to, author, and I used to call it the, the Fender Nervous Center. <laughs> right. Following the After CBS <laughs> bought the company out, they moved that to 10 East 36th Street. Big, flashy building. I had an office there. I don't know why I hadn't had to have an office, but Jack Lorenz, vice president of CBS, he had me an office there and a secretary, and then an office of a 51. West 52nd Street, I didn't need an office there either. because Marilyn did all of my uh, paperwork and correspondence with the, the dealers. So
0: Marilyn but, being Jody's wife.
1: Yeah. So that was the deal there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't as much fun as it was. But at that point, you also became the sales representative. Yeah, for the region,
1: oh, they changed it from sales representative to regional sales manager. Oh, okay. In lieu of a commission change as well. I see and um,
0: talk a little bit about... Well, talk a little bit about your history, first of all, and how you started playing the steel guitar, which in and of itself is kind of uh, an odd instrument for anybody to pick up. Why did you p- take that in particular as, as the instrument
1: that you wanted to play? Well, maybe because I I was a bit odd as well. Uh, I always admired... Whoops. the uh, Spade Cooley band and uh, one, I was about 17, 18 years old and I was I don't know how but with the radio I had a little cheap little radio I pulled to the station KTLA and I was listening to Spade Cooley and his band awesome band and they featured a steel guitarist his name was Noel Boggs and Noel Boggs and I well I was became very friendly with Noel uh, over the years but I admired his playing so much and I just liked the way he played and he was a big influence on me and uh, I was proud not only to know him but to have had him help me over the years with the way to play and I, I enjoyed his playing I got into that type of a you know sort of a copycat but mostly because of the way he played and he was one of great players passed away in 1978 he's buried up in Renato Hills, California.
0: Spade Cooley, Big Band, Volume 2, that was Steel Guitar Rack and Spade Cooley. And before that, Noel Boggs and Friends with Swanee River, that came from another take on some classics, the Dave Cash Collection. And uh, those are the two people that were influences to Jody as he just spoke about. And please don't forget that the music that I'm playing today won't all be identified, and you can find that on mostlyfolk.org.
1: Let's continue. I was practicing, and while my friends were outside doing the jitty bug with the girls, (laughs) I was sitting in my little apartment, or room, where Artie and I both grew up at 141 Manhattan Avenue in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friends were out doing the, jitty, the jitterbug with the with the girls on those warm summer nights. And come on down, Jody, come on down. And I said, No, I'm going to stay up here and practice. And I practiced day and night, and day and night, and day and night. And I kept going and going and going. And that's how I started to get involved in it. And one day, my dad come in around Christmas time. I had this little super guitar, six strings. And uh, he come in and says to me, I bought you a little present here. He gave me a, a little amplifier. He said, now you can sell like Noel Boggs. <laughs> well, fat chance. But I, over the years, was so much a fan of Mr. Boggs that, well, the rest is history, you know.
0: You practiced and and you practiced and and then keep going with the story. What where, where did you go from there? Well, now both my uncle and your father, of mm-hmm. course, were musicians. Uh, uncle. And, Lou. Well, no, I'm talking about your father yes, and yeah. and uncle. Well, Uncle Lou yeah. uh, also. Uh, they played together in a band called. Uh, what was the name of the band?
1: Zeb Carvin and Country Cousins.
0: Zeb Carvin and Country
1: Cousins. Starring Mac- Cecil
0: Stover. Yeah, Cecil was uh, Uncle Louie and, right. and Zeb, uh, of course, uh, your father, my uncle. And uh, they they did they did the whole vaudeville circuit mm-hmm. for quite sure. a while. And uh, wound up playing at many, many places all over the place, well, I would imagine.
1: Uncle Lou was an accomplished violinist, you know. Oh, I know, I he know. Could, I watched him when I was younger he could put the bow in his shoe I know. and run the violin up and down, the fiddle up and down, yep. put it behind his back. That's not easy. And he'd play in tune. Uh, turkey in a straw and all that kind of thing. And it was awesome. And this alone on the stage was eye-catching. And people just applaud right there. Yeah. Then they had Joe Lenzer, Elmer, they called him. Funny thing about him, he had protruding teeth. And... Uh, my well, uncle Lou was there. My dad were there. When they did a show, and Edgar Bergen was on the on the show in the show, not their show, but on the same bill, and uh, he had Mortimer Snerd with him. Well, I don't know, Charlie McCarthy. Well, he looked at Elma, and later on, he came out with Mortimer Snerd. And when Elma found out about it, he was trying to sue <laughs> Edgar Bergen because the guy he looks just like. He's <laughs> just like Joe Lindsay. High, they call him high. He's about six foot four, and you have no clue how your Uncle Lou used to give him the needle about that. Oh, oh boy. My, oh, my God. Yeah, those were,
0: That's hysterical. Yeah. I, I do have, I believe on my website, I have a photo of him. It was a publicity photo of of him playing the violin in all do you sorts. have that? yeah wow. I do as a matter of fact I also have his violin you have uh, his violin yeah I'll show it to you oh, I'll show gosh. it to you later because it has Babe Ruth's autograph on it oh wow yeah and you can't the the Ruth part is is obliterated but you could definitely see the Babe and the beginning of the R and I know that when they played at the Village Barn
1: all the ballplayers came all the ball
0: players came yeah. in to see him and and Louis had uh, Babe Ruth on his Amazing.
1: violin. <laughs> when I was down there uh, over the years later, uh, early one came down, Richie Ashburn would come down, wow. and you know, they'd sit down, and they'd invite me over to the table, I didn't drink, and the waiter said, hey Jody, they want you over there, I don't know why they want you, but I sat down with these guys, Kenny Raffensperger, Wally Post from the Cincinnati Reds, and I would want to talk baseball, and they want to talk about steel guitar. And I have autographs of them on the baseballs uh, at home.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's hysterical. Now, you know, I know you talked about this before, but as, as you became more proficient with the steel guitar, you, you, you mentioned this on, on the last time we did a podcast. Um, whose idea was it to go to the Arthur Godfrey Town Scouts?
1: My mother's idea.
0: Okay. And Aunt Mary. <laughs> My Aunt Mary brought you to the uh well ha she would she write a letter to the I don't know what the process
1: was well, back then. Yeah, the and the sequence goes that uh, uh she she wrote a letter into CBS and uh it, with an explanation about her son etc cetera, et cetera, And uh, one night I wasn't aware of that, but on the one night on the way home from the village barn, uh my dad says to me, "Hey, how was you like to go on the Godfrey Show?" I said, "Great." When do we go on? He said, "No, not we. You." I said, "Dad, I can't go on the Godfrey Show." Mm. She says, "I can't." I, she was, I can't play that much. He says, "Well, your mother wrote in." I said, "Well, I'm, I'm not going to want to go on there." Well, I got home. I told mother. She says, "Well, I'm sorry, but they already wrote." Well, what happened was I got called to go in an audition. So Zeb was with me, and I went in and I met this woman who, at the time, was elderly for me. She's like sixty years old. I was about I was twenty five, and um, I sat down with the steel and I started playing it. She's oh that's much too fast, so she said you have to slow it down, which was true. You know, you know just down. Do, 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 do. So I said no, that's not what I'm going to play, ma'am. She's well that's the way it has to be. I said well you know what, I'm out of here, <laughs> and I walked to, out the out the door. Zeb i said, how'd you make that good? Good. that's great no it's not great I'm not going to be on that show <laughs> well I went home and my mother had a fifth oh. anyway the, it came now where she gets the letter of acceptance and what I should wear white shirt dark jacket whatever and I went to do the show and uh, I was I was I was afraid I didn't, didn't think I was up to that level but uh, I had my mom as my talent scout and uh she and the fellow before me, Mickey McGuire, he was such a nice fellow. He sang, uh, I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. His, uh, his talent scout was a Navy officer, wearing a dressed Navy navy air, pilot. He was a pilot in the Navy. And uh, in February, wearing a white suit and uniform, and uh, Godfrey took a liking to him, naturally, because Godfrey was a pilot as well. And uh, in the interim, uh, I heard him sing, and it was great. So next thing I went out on the stage and I I couldn't find the guitar right, the stage hands didn't put it in the right place, I didn't have the volume pedal on the right foot and so forth and so on. So I was scared to death, I sat down and all of a sudden I go out and Jerry Bressler, he goes into three times the tempo, which, which get it out, it was like. And I said, oh gosh, I gosh. And I went into that thing and I had to sweat bullets, right? And during the performance, I told you this last time, I dropped the bar, because my hands were so slippery, for perspiration, it bounced up, I caught it coming down, and I continued to play. And after that show was over, Godfrey said to me, Jody, that was great, leave it in. I said, Mr. Godfrey, I, I says, it was a mistake. He's had have more mistakes, Jody. Anyway, then the girl come out, Adrienne Knowles, she sang an operatic type song, and she was making some comments in the back, and when the when the she told him what she said, she says, I'm not worried about the guy with the ironing board, or the, something like that. She says, uh, yeah, but I'm worried about that Irish tenor.
2: Now let's meet our next talent scout who is a Mrs. Marie Carver. Mrs. Carver, how do you do? I'm so glad to see you. i to meet you, too. Well, you're a sweet girl. Tell me where you come from. Can you come up a little closer? That's girl. Come from Brooklyn. Brooklyn, huh? Brooklyn. Were you, were you born there?
3: No, Mr. Godfrey. I was born in North Bay, Ontario.
2: North Bay, Ontario. Isn't that near where the quintuplets were born?
3: That's where it was.
2: Right in that town? Oh, yes. Oh, North Bay, Ontario. Did you know Dr. Defoe?
3: Yes, I sure did. Did you really? Yes.
2: And did you know the parents of the quintuplets?
3: You knew the grandmother.
2: You knew the grandmother. She
3: used yes. to give me raisin pie all the time.
2: <laughs> Is that so? Mm? Is North Bay a big town?
3: Well, at that time, it was about 50. 1,500. About
2: 1,500, and then it was 1,505, just like that, wasn't
3: it? Yes, that's yeah. right.
2: <laughs> and now what is it? How many now, would you say?
3: Oh, I think there's about 15,000 now. They Whoa. built an airport there.
2: Oh, a big place. Yes. What
3: do you know?
2: Well, to see, an airport, that would account for 12,000. Yeah, right away, quick. That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's fine. You have to have 12,000 people to get around an airport so somebody can complain about the engines making a noise, you
3: know? maybe that's why they have an airport. <laughs> not enough people to complain.
2: That's right. That's right. Whom did you bring us?
3: I brought Jody Carver.
2: Carver? That's the same name as yours.
3: Yes, he's my son.
2: Oh, he's your son. Yes, sir. Well, now, when did you meet him?
3: <laughs> 20, Twenty-five years ago.
2: Twenty-five years ago. In a
3: maternity ward.
2: In a maternity. Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, did he did he know you right away? Yes, I he think he did. He knew you right away. <laughs> <laughs> now, what does he do now?
3: My son Jody plays a a Fender three-neck Hawaiian steel guitar.
2: Three next to it.
3: Yes, Mr. Godfrey.
2: My, my. Did you help him learn that? Did you no,
3: teach No, no, I couldn't do that. That's tough.
2: Where did he learn that?
3: Oh, he took lessons for about a year and a half, and then he just came natural.
2: Just came natural? Just natural. Over here in Brooklyn he learned, huh? Yes. Uh-huh.
3: Yes. And
2: did he invent this machine with the three things?
3: No. Fender no. people made it up for him.
2: Oh. Special oh. made. I see. And has he, has he been doing anything professionally with it?
3: Oh, yes. He's uh, been at the Village Barn in New York City for two and a half years.
2: Oh, you know. Sure, you know who you... And And where? And
3: he's been on WPIX yes. and WOR television. Yes. And he's made a, a guest appearance with Perry Como.
2: Oh, well, now, he's... And
3: he has recorded with uh, Vaughn Monroe and the Fontaine Sisters. Mm-hmm. And he's worked for Ziggy Talents. Well, he's been all around,
2: hasn't he, huh? right. Sure. Now we're going to put him over here with Jerry Bressler and the orchestra and the Lipton spotlight. Thanks to his sweet, lovely mother. Thank
3: you so much. And we Mr. wish him good
2: luck. Thanks. Thank you, Mrs. Carver. Here he is, Jody Carver. <laughs> such a collection of sounds. Yeah? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Hold, 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 hold everything. Hold everything. I, he's got me crying. I know how you feel. Let, let's meet the next talent scout. Quick. No, I'll bring him back in the order in which they originally appeared and Pick Me a winner, will you please? First was the tenor, Mickey McGuire.
4: I'll take you home again.
2: All right, thank you. And then the steel guitarist Jody Carver. And then the soprano Adriana Noel. Okay, I think it looks to me like the announcement says... Jody Carver! <laughs> Tune us in tomorrow. Now we'll have some more jam sessions with Jody. Thanks ever so much,
1: dear friends. Good night. Uh, but uh, I was sorry that they, the other two didn't at least get some recognition because I wondered many years later what, what they felt. Because there were times three people could win a tie. Right. Two out of three I wouldn't feel good about because one would lose. I, I didn't even care if I won or not, you know. But when Jerry Bressler did that, that tempo, see I knew in the band Al Caiola and uh, Tony Matola, I I knew when I won, I knew they had big smiles on their faces. They they wanted to see one of their 802 guys, <laughs> local 802. but that was a. That, I would say between that and the Hot Club of America and the Frank Sinatra thing and the Perry Como deal, that's those are about the most exciting times of my career. So uh, I, tell I, me about tell me about the Frank Sinatra thing. Well, Frank Sinatra, yeah. Uh, it was 1957, I was living in Woodhaven, we both lived there, at 76, 38, 85th Road, I was married, uh, and uh, I get a call from this fellow in Manhattan, said that they are doing a show at the, the Boulevard Hour, and uh, Frank Sinatra, then I mentioned Frank Sinatra, they said that would you be at the studio, and I said sure, now when you go to the studio, you didn't ask who you are recording with, you just sit down, do your thing, and go home, you know, so I get out in the studio and I'm sitting down and I'm looking around and uh, again, Kyola was there and uh, I, yeah, I'm a and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the, the writer comes over, the composer, the a guy, whatever he was, he said, here's your music. I said, sir, I don't read music. You don't read music? I said, no. He said, well, how are you going to do this? I said, I don't know. If you want me to go home, I'll go home. I was with that and comes Mr. Sinatra looking great all tan from his uh, home down in the uh, well down in Southern California Palm Springs yeah and uh, he walked in looking the, the shiny pants this black jacket and the boots and' his nice hairpiece and just starting to get gray and uh, he said to mr Sinatra this this guy can't this guy can't read so mr Sinatra walks was way from kiddo I said from Brooklyn Mr Sinatra he said, I'm from Hoboken, New Jersey, as I know that. Mr. Sinatra, well, not for you. And i seeing you at the New York Paramount and the Brooklyn Dodgers at Ebbets Field. I could have been a doctor. He said, ah, what want to be a doctor for? it make you sick. <laughs> What's wrong? I said, I can't read. He said, look, let's do a turn on this thing. Let's see what this kid could do. So they started off with Sunflower, which had been previously recorded in 1948 by a good steel player, who's gone now, Billy Tonneson. And he played Sunflower, but it was a little different because they had the five-piece group. And when I when I did it, they went into Sunflower, but with an opener of Turkey and a Straw. Mm-hmm. He'd go into the song. When he got done with it, he said, oh, before we guys, says, it's a go. Meaning, I don't know what that meant. He said, and they're going to record. So he put his finger up like, you know. And after the show was over, he says, listen, kiddo, that was great. I said, thank you, sir. He says, "That flatboard, ironing board, you have there, has better looking legs than some of the bras I've been out with." <laughs> you know, and they keep referring to the instrument as a bar ironing board or a breadboard. But that was a that was an exciting time in my life. Well, I, well, at that I, at that time, the steel guitar really wasn't all that
0: popular, was no, it? No. I mean, that's why I'm 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 wondering why you even picked the steel guitar in the first place. You know, how did how did
1: th- that come to be? I don't know. I I remember going down to the Village Barn when I was young, very young, and uh, my heart was didn't like steel guitars. And uh, my father told me about me, and he said, uh, No, he said, he says they're too loud and squeaky. And he said, Well, my son is a good player. He said, I don't want a steel guitar. Well, for the first time in all those years, since 1932, when Uncle Lou put a test this, you didn't have to audition, but this one time they had to audition because of me. And I was very uncomfortable with that. So I went down that afternoon and the waiters were setting up their places for the the, the customers that would be coming in about seven, eight o'clock at night. And I played Red Sails in the Sunset or oh, Blue Hawaii, whatever. Then I played Oklahoma Stomp and the band was, the guy's my dad jumping away at it. And he'd come down and said, it's good. Jody's in, and that was it. So I continued on that way with them. and I got most of my education at the Village Barn. Uh, the other show I was on back then, Denny Davis, the late Denny Davis, a great guy. He's got the Tijuana, uh, he did the Tijuana brass type of a thing, like how I Bob, but he sang wonderful. He was on Chance of a Lifetime. He won 16 weeks in a row. Hmm. And one night he said to me, hey Jody, why don't you go on? I, said, I don't want to go on. Dennis James was the, the guy then. He was the MC and the, yeah, yeah. the host. Remember that? I remember Dennis James. Okay. I don't remember the show exactly. Well, but. it was a competitive thing, but if you won, you didn't win one time, you got to compete every week. So he said, look, I've been winning enough. I don't want to go on. Danny, he said, go on. Well, I got an arrangement set up the way I did and on the Godfrey show, and I, I went on. I won in about 12 weeks, 12, 13 weeks then, and my hardware was in his glory. Advertisements... Uh, coffee show winner and the chance for a lifetime winner so it continued on and it was a great part of my life you know back then.
2: I want you to meet the winner of the Lipton talent scout show Monday night a terrific musician on a new kind of contraption here his name is Jody Carver You call that an electric guitar? Just like you would call yours, George, huh? Only this one has three consoles on it, three different sets of strings, uh, with also a, a gadget underneath that he works with his foot. And I have an idea that if you got a long-handled broom and let him hold it under his left arm, he could sweep down for you at the same time. He's a busy guy. What's the title today? Wabash Blues? Well, bless his heart, he made a sheet for me. Now, now isn't that nice? Can I play along? Oh, good. <laughs> Do that last half again, will you? Gee, you never heard such a terrific bunch of sounds. You got time to do that. Remember Pillsbury's pancake makes, will you? It's good mix. <laughs> tonight on the television is CBS Radio Network there's a place if you just cool down for a minute and i want you to hear some more terrific harmony Here's a man who plays a three-console electric guitar who won the Lipton Talent Scout show on Monday night and he gets some of the weirdest effects Donald, I think this will tickle you to to hear this boy play this thing. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jody Carver. (laughs) It's quite an instrument. He has three keyboards on it and a pedal for volume and all kinds of gadgets and i do believe you need a navy green ticket for an instrument rating to be able to fly the thing i don't think gca would do you much good on that one i got a nice wire while he's cooking that up from ken henry and don mcdermott you know members of the nineteen fifty six united states olympic speed skating team which your good support has is getting ready to send overseas. Okay, Jody, go ahead, boy.
0: Good luck to you, lad. Jody, you've played with so many different people who are fairly uh, well-known, such as Vaughn Monroe, Rosalie Allen. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about uh, some of your experiences with them.
1: Rosalie Allen, I uh, were on a show show on WPIX television. And uh, I was on, well, I was on steel guitar, Johnny Newt on accordion. And Johnny knew a fellow's name was Johnny Cucci. and Johnny was part of the trio, and uh, we we backed Rosalie up, and uh, and Johnny looked he looked funny with the big bushy hair he had and the cowboy hat on, <laughs> the Italian Italian cowboy. But <laughs> well, we did the you know the show with her for quite a long time every every week, and then I got to know Johnny well, and that's how through that and other things we got to do the Hot Club of America. Uh, we did. I did many sessions with Rosalie and Elton Britt. Some of them were out there, some of them, were, well, and I, I won't look back now Is I, like Teresa Brewer, I did a whole album with her. She was such a sweet girl. <laughs> and oddly enough, it was her husband, Bob Thiel, who was the, he, he was the head guy at RCA, I mean at the Coral, when he just went to do the Hot Club of America and he took me in and said, I want you to record an album with my wife. I often wondered I, about Teresa Brewer. Why did not she take the name as Teresa Thiel? You know, mm-hmm. that's a married name, but I never asked her that. She was such a sweetheart. Was
0: she already uh, popular before she married yeah. Bob Steele? Yeah. She, that's probably why she kept the name.
1: Well, I'm not sure, but I remember that one of the popular songs she did was uh, 1949 or 50 was um, Put Another Nickel in. in oh, the,
0: that was her biggest that hit. That was a right? big hit. Yeah.
1: That's what put her on the... Yeah. On the uh, you know, on the map, and uh, when I was on the sessions with her, she'd, she'd come she, she came over me. You says,
0: weren't on that session, right? No,
1: no. Yeah. During the session and the breaks, we were reminiscing. You know, and I told her how I always enjoyed her, her, vocal, her singing and when she did. Music, music, music back in nineteen fifty, and she was very, she liked that very much. You know, and so uh, Bob, Mr. Thiel he you know, "Hey, Tess, knock it off." <laughs> so she says, "She called, okay, Roberto, well." <laughs> It's just ironically about a year later she did a session and it was on Don't Mess With Tess and it was such a I wasn't on that, any of those I just did the Hawaiian album with her you know they're both buried up in New Rochelle and I'm going to get up there and uh, pay them my respects to them I, I like to get up and visit the grave and you know she was a wonderful person This
4: is- the moment I waited for I will love you longer than forever. Promise me that you will leave me near.
0: pretty big uh, celebrity back in
1: the 50s. Yeah, Vaughn Monroe. Yeah, I did, actually he did an album out, uh, six songs, and I'm sure I remember how I got that. I was at RCA Victor back then, doing all the the chair work, which uh, was given to me by Vaughn Horton, who was doing all the RCA work on steel guitar, but he wrote, so many songs which the big one was uh, Mockingbird Hill Not mm-hmm. actually Les Paul did it everybody recorded that so he didn't want to put all of his effort into playing steel guitar so he had Steve Scholes, head of RCA Victor come down to Village Barn and listen to me play and then Mr. Scholes had me go to the studio and I did the session not knowing who I was recording with again another big band walking Woo what a band and I played there were four, six songs and The steel was not prominent other than two of them. One was a cowboy smoking my last cigarette and rounded up in glory. I did some fills on that, you know, and I did those two tunes. And then the one I did, which is most, all of, a lot of me was when this fellow Sonny Scarlett, it was not his real name, but he wrote songs like Besame Mucho, Mm. a lot of other big hit songs. He composed a song called Steel Guitar. And I went in to do the RCA session on that. And it is predominantly steel guitar. I mean, actually, I did that session, and I didn't like the sound. I was playing very high treble, but that's what he wanted. And that made up for the other two sessions. <laughs> and he said to me one day, which was apropos to uh, Marilyn Mar- Mar- and myself, you know, how I love the steel guitar, and the words tell it all, but uh, I was in the studio that day on February 16th of 1954, and he said to me, Jody, I hope you don't treat Mrs. Carver the way these lyrics are. I said well if you do, I'll send the Posse at uh-huh. I asked him, What made influence you as well? I always like Western music. I was a, admired Spade Cooley and so I thought, Well, that's a pretty cool thing. I worked at the Waldorf studio studio with him, the Waldorf Astoria and uh, I did six weeks there with the band. I was only called in when they had to do the Western type things, They wear white shirts and red kerchiefs. It was nice, he was a good guy. He died very young, he died at age 62. But from there on in, I started to get sessions at Capitol, RCA, DECA, what have you, you know, it was going on and on and on and on. And that's how I really made my livelihood, in addition to being a salesman, that it was, it was nice to have a Just know, session yeah. musician. Sure, you mm-hmm. know. Dearest
5: love, he travels far And always takes his new guitar And she's alone while he's away Just humming those funny old tunes he used to play her one and only,
6: since she has wandered very far, she gets
5: so blue and she gets lonely. Every time she hears a steel guitar. And nothing more. And now she's blue as she can be. Just knowing that silly guitar.
0: ask you this, a couple of things about related to the steel guitar. Were you one of the first people that ever played a triple neck steel guitar? Had anybody played that
1: before you? Yeah, it was um, Noel Boggs. Okay. And uh, I believe Leon McAuliffe, although Leon played a four neck like the one I had and I don't have any more. Uh, I didn't particularly care for it. And uh, I don't remember too many others. Uh, maybe Bobby Cofer. He was with Pee Wee King a long time. He had a the triple neck guitar. He was a great player. He was inducted the same time I was. And he didn't show up for the induction. He just threw a, got it out of it. And, well, I'll tell you who was pretty popular with that. We were friends of mine. They said, I think they set a, uh, set a precedent for the steel guitar. Two Italian boys, Santo Farina and Johnny Farina. And when they made the hit song Sleepwalk. Oh yeah, yeah. That had to put the steel guitar in everybody because they'd hear these, you know, stu- right. yeah. and when I, we were working out and I was working at a place called The Hideout on Long Island. They were working at the Amber Inn and one night they came in and they wanted to sit down and play a, on my steel. I had the triple neck and so I had to come in and he played on my triple neck He made a few changes to the tunings and he played, he played sound, sounded great. His uncle was in the, in the group, Mike D, Mike Visconti, and Chuck Story was the guitarist with me they're both gone and uh, when they sat down to play the people got up to dance and i said wow you know i thought well this fast stuff is not making people want to dance you know you do not want to play saber dance or that type of music so the owner said to me freddie greaves said jody get those guys off the bandstand they're terrible well i very carefully asked him i had to play now so they they got off the bandstand and they went they went back to the amber inn and I said to Freddie Greaves about three months later, Freddie, you know those guys you didn't want to play? You put the jukebox on. <laughs>
0: about Leo Fender, your association with him, and the stories that you have about Leo that people might be
1: interested in. Leo Fender? I met Leo Fender the first time I went out to California. It was the first ever trade show I attended, and he introduced me. It was Clarence, CLF, Clarence Leo Fender. And he, what's to say about Mr. Fender that not said before? He was... He was his own man. And he and Mr. Randall, though they were good partners, they didn't always agree on everything, you know, which is normal. And uh, Leo wanted to name the guitar that, or the amplifier this or that. And Mr. Mister Fr- Mr. Randall is the one who put all the names, Stratocaster, Telecaster, well, you know all about the Telecaster and the Broadcaster. And your dad is, you know, Uncle Al, there's a picture of him with a horse. Right, Telecaster. Telecaster yeah. yeah. Right. I said earlier, on, I don't know how good he was at the track, If you ever won, but he had the distinction of being a trainer for you know down in old California. It's
0: funny I forgot I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, well that Telecaster was one of the
1: horses (laughs) that my father trained. That that's so wild. Yeah, well you know the story behind that. uh, When they took the name uh, Telecaster, Gretch had a drum set by that name, and uh, they made a big deal out of it. And Fender was notified they. They were poaching on it and whatever, getting in on the royalty. I mean the names, um, and so finally Leo was upset with it, and Mr. Randall said, "No, we don't want the broadcaster because television is the in thing." Okay. Well, anyway, they did. They did got that resolved. They did get it resolved, and it became the Telecaster. Hmm. Guys today are going crazy for a broadcaster. Well, they have to wait about three thousand years to find one like that. They won't. (laughs) Uh, They often said, "I had a." thing about the Telecaster, I've heard a lot of guys say hey Jody yeah you know what a telecaster you have to it's a great guitar but you have to have an understanding with it by that meaning you could let the thing get away at you because it had an extreme amount of treble tremendous amount of treble and I used to call Mr. Fender the treble maker you remember that <laughs> one night I think I mentioned that the last show one night Mr. Randall God rest him and his wife Jean Mr. Fender and his wife uh, Esther and Marilyn and myself went to a club in Anaheim and went to see uh, Buddy Kendricks on bass, Billy Carson on guitar, and Noel Boggs on steel guitar. And he said, Jody, watch what happens when we walk in. Well, when we walk in, all the treble was turned up on the amps. He you see what I mean? I said, that's right, and he's nothing but a treble maker. <laughs> I totally friend that one day. And he just chuckled, yeah, damn you New York guys, you know. <laughs>
7: Those cranberry kisses and strawberry hugs from the one I left behind. I want those cranberry kisses and strawberry hugs I can't get them off my mind. We'd start out picking berries on a Sunday afternoon. strawberry hugs going back to get some more for with those cranberry kisses and strawberry hugs life will be the berries just a bowl of cherries with the one that i hollow in the glen we'd still be picking berries by the light of the moon we'd pick a bit and kiss a bit and pick and kiss again oh those cranberry kisses and strawberry hugs going back to get some more For with those cranberry kisses and strawberry hugs life will be the
1: Cherries With the one That I adore Did I tell you About the time When Oh, well, not that story about The ice cream? No Oh, I, I don't know If that's You <laughs> could apply that here But They took me out To a, a restaurant Mr. Fender Mr. Randall Myself And I think it was um, Charlie Hayes or one that Charlie passed away In a car crash So it was not Yeah, it might have been About that time and uh, that was when they had Hayes band instruments trumpets saxophones and they didn't go over too well but of there was Selmer and Kahn and so forth big names so anyway we're in this restaurant I didn't know what to order and uh, Leo says what are you going to have old Jody I said well uh, he says have something good I'll tell you so they won the order for me and Mr. Ray said Jody go easy this stuff is it's, it's hot so <laughs> I said okay so they, I had a dish and I'll tell you on the third Fork full, it was burning. So he said, You feel all right there, Jody? I said, Yes, sir. He said, Tell you what you do. Sure, have some ice cream. I said, All right, I'll ice cream after this. And the girl, he said, Have an ice cream for my friend here. So I had an ice, <laughs> said, ice cream. He not Now, tomorrow, when you got to go to the little boy's room, you sit there and say, It starts to burning. Come on, ice cream. Come on, ice cream. <laughs> oh, goodness, I would fall off the chair. That was one of the stories about. Leo Fender, that uh, <laughs> priceless,
0: <laughs> tremendous guy. That's funny. Yeah. So, the of course Fender guitars are world known, and many people uh, certainly are collectors of Fender guitars. What what is the, what's the standard collectible for Fender guitars
1: today? Probably uh, the nineteen fifty four Stratocaster. Uh, that was the first one they put out. And the 1953 or 52 Telecaster that you put on with those are the two most popular, uh, and those would be probably today if you can find a a really a legit 54 Telecaster. Johnny has a uh, Johnny had a 56. That blonde you see on the cover of the album mm-hmm. with gold hardware. That was originally Mary the Mary Kay Trio. with used on a couple of uh, promotion deals. And they had, it was a Cha-Cha-Cha-Boom and um, one other song I can't forget. I can't remember, other, Cha-Cha-Cha-Boom and Calypso Baby. Hmm. So they put this, and Mr. Randall kept it in his office. And Johnny and I were going to do the, the NAM show in New York at the Hotel New Yorker. And he brought that guitar along. I didn't know he was going to bring it with him. And he handed it to Johnny. And John, wow, wow. China saw it that. like. They had a D'Angelico call. Beautiful D'Angelico, probably worth about 75000 today, but uh, made in hand by John D'Angelico. But he played on it. We both did the thing for the show. And when the show was over, he said, John, how do you like the guitar? I said, oh, I like it a lot. He's well, since you played on it, it's used now, so we'd like you to have it. Hmm. And John was, wow. And he took it. He said, "What?" I said, they want you to have it, John. John took it. It was called the Hellbilly guitar by the guys in the Hot Club. Huh. Uh, Augie thought it was too sharp. You know, there we go to trouble again. But anyway, he took the guitar and uh, he played it all during his, the rest of his career. And finally, I found out from his brother Lou, Johnny was in Florida and uh, he was in, not in good shape. He had dementia. And uh, he mentioned me. So I think Jody Carver is not over here from I think he's in California. Well, I wasn't. I was uh, in New York. Well, Johnny passed away, and his wife sold the guitar for $150. Yeah, I do think he was a troublemaker, but that's what a fender's all about. (laughs) Look at the things I like to do. They're all trebly. You know, sometimes they cost you a lot of trouble, but
0: (laughs) anyway. Now, you have, I know we talked about this before, you have the distinction of being one of the people in a fender mural that's in Hollywood. Uh, A a big mural, I'm not exactly sure where uh, it is, but. Uh, talk about that.
1: That mural, thank you, (laughs) Arthur, that you bring it up. Uh, That mural is in Fullerton, California. I've been out there. In fact, the last time I was there was in 2006. I went to visit some friends. And uh, there's a mural of of Bob Dylan. Well, there's more to it. Bob Dylan. And I'm next to him with a red cowboy shirt on, sitting down with a cowboy hat and Mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix next to him. Well, that all started when Art and I were called. Mr. Randall called me and asked me if I would go to Manhattan and bring some instruments up to this Bob Dylan. And uh, we both went. You remember that? Mm-hmm. We lugged the equipment upstairs. There was a, mm-hmm. a steel guitar which we didn't need, but the, the guitar, a bass, a basement, a bass amp. So we went up there. And I'm sitting there and uh, I walk over. Mr. Mr. Dylan, I says, Mr. Dylan, I adjust him by his name, Mister. I says, I'm the friend, of the representative. I says, I. He with my cousin, Art, and we'd like to have a promo picture of you. He walked away. So, was it Albert Grossman? Mm-hmm. The manager. He, he came out of the, the control room and he started to jaw at me. We don't, we don't, we don't want to do this. We don't want to bastardize the instrument. I said, sir, I'm only doing my job since Mr. Dillon is a endorser now. He's playing a Stratocaster. We'd just like to have a picture of him in the new catalog. He said, well, we're not going to do it. let you have it. So... Uh, in comes uh, Guy Lieberson. He was the big honcho of all of the five divisions of Fender, CBS, uh, the Columbia Records, Rogers, Drums, the whole nine yards. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he came walking in. Did you get the picture, Jody? I said, no. My cousin and myself weren't able to get the picture. He says, Mr. Dillon. Oh, Mr. Dillon doesn't want to take a picture. Is that right? I said, yes, sir. He went in the room. Mm-hmm. They were drawing away in there, you know, like Leo DeRoche at an umpire, and he walked out and said, Jody, Mr. Dillon will now take the picture. So what he did, to just to show how upset he was, he wouldn't pick up the strat, the caster. he picked up a jazz bass, and he played the jazz bass. He was a bass player, but he, and the picture was taken, and from that picture that Art took, <laughs> the, the, the history is, that picture was in fact... The responsibility of that is art's efforts to get that thing done. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. in a sense. Well, you,
0: I didn't take the
1: picture. Well, not the picture. You didn't take the picture. Yeah. But they had a photographer come in yeah. to do it. Yeah,
0: but when this happened. I was standing right to the side, and I, I distinctly remember from the very beginning, uh, before the arguments started, that. I heard I heard Bob Dylan say I'm not going to bastardize yeah, that, myself yeah, and and uh you know so he did take the the picture with the bass and uh, I was off to the side. I remember him looking over toward me and giving this little smirk like, mm-hmm. look at this. I'm not, uh, I don't play the bass. This is a big yeah. joke. <laughs> and uh, so, but that picture went on to be a, a very big publicity mm-hmm. yeah. picture for Fender guitars. Yeah. And to this day, it still is. It can be found. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it's on uh it's on my other website, but I think what I'll do is I'll put a little photo of it in there when this uh, podcast is published and put it up on uh, the mostly folk website uh, simply because. So many people have commented about that photo, saying, wow, I didn't know Bob Dylan played a bass guitar or what have you, but not realizing the crazy story behind it. And Mm -hmm. at that time, uh, they were uh, in the process of recording Visions of Johanna, Mm -hmm. which at that time was called Freeze Out. And if you look at the original track sheets of that recording session that we walked into the middle of, you'll see that it says, freeze out, freeze out, freeze out. That's the name of the song that they were playing, which later became Visions of Johanna. But, uh, you know, just a little side story there.
8: Ain't it just like the night play tricks when you're trying to be so quiet We we'll sit here stranded though we're all doing our best to deny it And Louise holds a handful of rain tempting you to defy it Lay flicker from the opposite loft. In this room the heat pipes just cough. The country music station plays soft, but there's nothing, really nothing to turn off. Just Louise and her lover so Visions of Johanna That conquer my mind In the empty lot where the ladies play Blind man's bluff with the keychain all night girls they whisper of escapades out on the D train We can hear the night watchman click his flashlight ask himself if it's him or them that's insane Louise, she's alright she's just near She's delicate and seems like the mirror But she just makes it all too concise and too clear That Johanna's not here The ghost of electricity Howls in the bones of her face Where these visions of Johanna Have not taken my place Our little boy lost, he takes himself so seriously. He breaks of his misery, he likes to live dangerously. And when bringing her name up, he speaks of a farewell kiss to me. you sure got a lot of gall To be so useless and all Muttering small talk at the wall While I'm in the hall Oh, how can I explain It's so hard to get on And these visions of Johanna They'd kept me up past the dawn Inside the museums Infinity goes up on trial voices echo, this is what salvation must be like after a while But Mona Lisa must have had the highway blues, you can tell by the way she smiles See the primitive wallflower freeze When the jelly-faced women all sneeze Hear the one with the mustache say Geez, I can't find my knees Oh, jewels and binoculars Hang from the head of the mule But these visions of Johanna They make it all seem so cruel The oh, peddler now I speaks To the countess who's pretending to care for him Saying "Need me someone that's not a parasite And I'll go out and say a prayer for him But like Louise always says You can't look at much, can you man if she herself prepares for him and Madonna, she still has not showed We see this empty cage now corroded Where her cape of the stage once it flowed The fiddler, he now steps to the road He writes, everything's been returned which was old on the back of the fish truck that loads While my conscience explodes The harmonic is play The skeleton the keys and the rain And these visions of Johanna Are now all that remain
0: So the wind-up of the whole thing, and I very distinctly remember us driving home together uh, along the Jersey Turnpike. I don't know where we were going, but (laughs) but all you were doing was cursing. Yeah, that's right. You were just saying that so-and-so, Bob Dylan, yeah, I, I can't understand too- this guy. And uh, <laughs> so the, so the wind-up of it is that Fender put up this mural yeah. with Jimi Hendrix, Bob Dylan, and
1: you right in the middle of it. Yeah. And uh, uh, quite amazing. And <laughs> you know, I said one day, somebody mentioned that to me when I was out there. See, that, that picture was painted by schoolchildren, and that will be there for an eternity. That's a parking garage. There was a top floor and the middle floor where people would drive in and park the car. And uh, it's a big, beautiful area. Was Leo had his first factory, the last one, you know. And uh, then um, it would be there forever. And the other part about it was uh, some guys had mentioned about he didn't like... uh, he didn't let you take the picture. You don't want to be next to Dylan, but he'll be there. He'll be there forever with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well.
0: and, and that was the funny part of it because both of those images of you both in the mural were taken from your publicity photo mm-hmm. of right. you, you with the cowboy hat playing yeah. the steel guitar, and the picture that Bob Dylan didn't want to take which is so amazing
1: that you know the coincidence mm-hmm. of it all the only difference with that picture was uh, to break up the color I, w- I was wearing a, a blue cowboy shirt with the fringe I hate that hat God I hate to wear a cowboy hat <laughs> I used to tell Leo I don't like a hat damn cowboy you have to wear a hat I said no Box don't wear a hat That no Boggs don't have to you have to well anyway they painted the shirt red so bring out the color more yeah that was a that was a that was a pride that have that, you know. That's <laughs> not something to be proud of that that mural. Uh-huh.
0: By the way, if you want to learn more information about Jody Carver, you can go to his website. That's jodycarver.com. Simple as that. taking the trip up here, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll be down to see you guys uh, before the summer ends. That's true.
1: So and that'll be fun. Thank you for the hospitality with yourself and Rain, uh, and the bagels are great, <laughs> and you're a great show to cook, and, and your home is beautiful, and a beautiful location.
0: Hey, Jody, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay, all right, Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. There you have it, Jody Carver here on Mostly Folk. I want to thank Jody, and I want to thank you guys for listening. And uh, one thing I do want to mention is how uh, amazing it was that Arthur Godfrey, during the Talon Scouts uh, segment, never had seen a steel guitar before. All of the talk about ironing board and things like that, even though the steel guitar had been around, as Jody mentioned, Uh, It seemed that for many people, the steel guitar was still basically a mystery. So uh, I'm glad you joined with me today to uh, hear about some of these things, about Fender and all of the uh, stories that Jody has to tell. You could probably listen to Jody all day with the stories that he has. But unfortunately, we're limited to time, and I... uh, have to leave you for this episode. So please do feel free to join me for the next episode of Mostly Folk. We'll have more great music coming your way. This is Audie Martello wishing you a terrific day and I hope to see you next time right back here on Mostly Folk.
6: Happy friends
4: Until we meet again
5: Happy trails to you Keep smiling until then Who cares about the clouds when we're together Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather Happy trails